Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement, and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Now, today we're joined by Brad Gehrig, who is currently leading commercial operations at Sword Health. Now, in this conversation, we're going to dig into Bradley's previous experience as a sales manager, but then also look forward to today and understand more about uh, Bradley's definition of commercial ops and how that may differ from sales ops as this whole podcast is is branded around. So Bradley, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And let's kick off by understanding your definition of commercial operations. Uh, so for SORT, it's, it's actually been a, a little bit different than I would normally classify it, uh, but I'll, I'll stick to the more traditional revenue ops uh, side of things. So uh, I really see it as the combination of sales ops and marketing ops, um, where you're essentially planning out your entire buyer's journey from the first touch through signing a contract um, and basically producing an entire revenue cycle um, and how sales and marketing plays a role in that throughout the entire thing. Uh, so for me, it's, it's more about being able to plan, measure, and execute um, the right sales and marketing strategies uh, to really have the ideal buyer's journey, give us the best win rate we can have, um, and really qualify as many opportunities as possible. That makes total sense. And it also makes sense based on my research of you, because I see that you have experience in sales, sales management, but also, I think, in a previous role, marketing. Uh, so yeah, I was uh, I was running revenue marketing at Artemis Health for a little bit. Um, a very similar role to what I'm doing right now, but it was definitely more focused on an account-based marketing strategy, uh, and essentially more on the marketing execution side than where I'm currently coordinating the two. Yeah, exactly. So here, you aren't necessarily executing the marketing strategy, you're helping it operate or coordinating. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Makes total sense. <laughs> awesome. So my so that so this was Artemis Health. I 
also read on your LinkedIn profile, and this is kind of not really within the remit of the show, but I thought it was interesting anyway, how it seems like you have a, or your personal mission aligns with the mission of the sort of sword health of the business. And so if you don't mind, it would be great just to hear a little bit about what that is and how that aligns with the mission of sword health. Um, and then well, once we've done that, it would also be great to understand whether you think that or like how valuable is it that a business can bring in people that whose personal mission aligns with the business mission? Um, if, if you don't mind talking about that. Oh, I absolutely happy to talk about it. Uh, so, uh, my personal mission comes from um, a pretty unfortunate battle with an immune deficiency. Um, so back in my younger 20s, I was a professional cyclist and um, you know, was mysteriously ill one day. I went from training 30 hours a week on a bike to not being able to get out of bed. Uh, no one could figure out what was going on for years. And it, beyond the cost and uh, the, the fatigue and everything else that goes along with that, um, when you can't figure out what's wrong with you, you feel so helpless and so alone, no matter who's around you. Um, and that, that's a feeling that I will never, ever forget. And that feeling changed my life. Uh, it, it is essentially my mission to you know, help as many people not have to feel that way. Uh, so whether it's Sword Health, Artemis Health, uh, I will really only work for a company where I feel that my personal mission is being executed because that purpose really, you know, that's what drives us the most. Money is one thing, titles are one thing, but you know, being able to fulfill your personal mission day to day, not only are you going to work harder than everyone else around you, um, you just feel so much more fulfilled. So, uh, yeah, I mean, whether it's who I work for or what I choose to do or the people that I hire, um, you know, I, that that is the most important aspect to me is that they have some sort of connection to what we're doing, um, so that in, as a business development rep or you know account development manager SDR, you're going to get hung up on, told no all the time. Uh, so you know what is the thing that you fall back on to make that next call? Um, is it your own personal fortitude, or do you have a, a greater meaning to it? Is every single phone call that you make not to set a meeting or uh, get an opportunity started, but to help 30,000 people. Uh, it, when you can reframe your position and your role at a company um, to align that way, uh, I don't see any better way to find success. First of all, thank you for sharing. This leads really nicely onto my next question, which is a particularly successful part of your performance in a in previous role at Artemis Health. Now, I, uh, I read there was a significant boost in conversion rates as you were managing, I think it was eight enterprise reps. I'd love if you could share a little bit more about that and also how you managed to bring about this improvement in performance. Absolutely. Uh, so this is sort of where I started to approach revenue operations. Um, I was actually just fresh out of an account development manager role. I was an individual contributor and then started running the team that I was on. Uh, essentially, one of the first steps that I took was to look at all of our outbound sequences, all of our marketing nurture, um, and really worked to understand 
um, not only what content was most effective, but what should the ideal content journey look like? Um, what do we want to present when? How do we get somebody to our site to download a resource? Uh, it, it was a lot more than just sending emails and phone calls and LinkedIn touches um, just to get someone's attention. Uh, so uh, that was really the first step, not only in really working to increase our conversion rate, uh, but also to working to just a more efficient place as you know a business development organization. So it, once we had done that and figured out what the whole buyer's journey looked like, and then, uh, you know, for instance, if you have a meeting and it doesn't go how you want it to go, where do they fall back into the buyer's journey? Um, how do you give yourself the best chance for your next at-bat? Uh, so those were a few things we looked at to begin with. And then where we really started to see a huge increase in conversion rate was actually when um, we dissected our sales process a little bit more and looked at the entire qualification um, that we were doing with our prospects. And ultimately, um, our goal was to get to a point where we could forecast our uh, opportunities closing more accurately. Uh, but ultimately, that wound up falling to a change in our uh, business development org, where we had a multi-stage qualification process. Uh, so you, know, you can only put so much of discovery on the person who's making the cold calls and uh, you know running this strategy, because you're not always going to have the opportunity to ask the right questions. Um, you're not always going to be in that place. So we really wanted to break it down into uh, the rep would get credit for setting a good meeting, and then once we were able to get to a point where we could basically get the prospect to sign off on a timeline. Um, and really approve what the evaluation looked like, then they would get a much larger payout. Uh, so the the goal was really to, I mean, let them make more money, uh, but also to give us more qualified opportunities and have sales and business development really work more closely together to nurture those opportunities and get them to that stage of evaluation. Makes total sense. So aligning, it seems like more alignment between the incentives of the of sales and business development with the incentives of the ops team and also actually the organization. And that brought exactly. out the better performance. Awesome. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's just alignment at, across to all. Exactly. No. Let's now come to today and the ops function of Sword Health. What part of the, 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 the sales slash marketing operation that you're running are you most proud of at the moment? Ah, that's a good question. I, uh, I will say... There's nothing better than having a new rep start, whether it be business development or sales. And the first thing they do in your first meeting is compliment your Salesforce instance and how efficient everything is working. Really? Uh, oh, I wow. always appreciate that. But uh, I think one of the things that I'm most proud of is how I have uh, essentially structured the entire buyer's journey within Salesforce. When I started thinking about, you know, what does a buyer's journey look like? Uh, I wanted to be able to measure the entire thing very granularly um, and really understand once an opportunity was closed, who had influence at every single stage change in that buyer's journey. Uh, so I probably spent a year, yeah, 
whiteboarding and figuring out how to measure this entire thing. Uh, so I've broken my buyer's journey down into 14 individual stages. And then that allows me to essentially give an influence point to either sales or marketing content, website, whatever it happens to be, um, for 14 points throughout that entire buyer's journey for every person attached to an opportunity. Uh, so it's really going to allow me to have a very granular look at not only what's helping to influence the buyer, uh, but also you know, what's the what's the best first content to introduce. What should we be doing at literally every point throughout the buyer's journey, um, throughout that entire revenue cycle? Uh, one of the unique things about the, the digital health world um, or selling to HR and benefits is that the year is very cyclical. Uh, you know, there's open enrollments always happening in the fall. Uh, they're always evaluating new vendors in the spring, signing contracts midsummer and rolling out for January 1. So um, it is somewhat formulaic in that way. Uh, but trying to figure out ultimately what does the whole formula look like beyond just um, the annual cycle. I would say that's probably the uh, definitely the thing I'm most proud of. Makes sense. I mean, uh, a year to map out the process that like the the amount of detail that you've probably gone into <laughs> or the amount of tests that you've, you've been to is probably quite astounding. Um, and it's probably something that would you think, would you recommend that every sales or commercial ops person should attempt to do that exercise, whether it takes a year or less? Um, but you, you, like, how, how important do you think that is? Um, I, I honestly would say that it depends on your sales cycle and, and who your buyer is. Uh, I mean, if you have a very transactional sale where, you know, within a week of your first call, you're closing a contract, you probably don't need that kind of granularity. But once you start approaching one, two, three months in your sales cycle, you have a lot of opportunity to influence that sale along the way. Uh, so giving yourself the opportunity to maximize on that opportunity is, uh, is absolutely vital. Uh, so I wouldn't say everyone should do it, but uh, definitely those that need a closer look at you know, how they acquire a new customer. Uh, they should absolutely be doing something like this. Awesome. And what do you think is SWORD's or the ops function at SWORD's biggest opportunity? Um, that's a really good question. I almost don't want to spill beans right now. So the digital health market, uh, I think, has done a really good job at marketing. Uh, very much less so on the sales side. Uh, and I would say even less so on the, the whole revenue operations function. Um, so really understanding where could my revenue be coming from a year from now? What strategy do I put in place to maximize my possibility of closing that revenue? And when could I do it? So there are a couple of databases that uh, the government has for healthcare plans, benefits. Um, really, if you offer a benefit to your employees, you have to have this government filing. Uh, so I, I've been working on a way to essentially marry that with my Salesforce instance and all of our accounts in Salesforce so that we can better understand um, you know, exactly how many employees that a, a company would have that's benefits eligible, um, things of that nature. So. Uh, 
for for me, obviously, the revenue side of it is is great to analyze, but it also goes back to you know my personal mission, where uh, I want to help my team capitalize on the largest group so that we can help as many people as possible. Uh, uh, it's really easy to look at all of this from a selfish business perspective, and we just want to make money. But like I said, it for me, it, it's so much more than that. Where we get to help people every time we sign a contract. Uh, it, it's a really cool thing to not only you know get to help a couple people here and there, help individual patients, but know that you know, you're influencing thousands of lives all the time. Uh, that uh, it, yeah, operations yeah, I, really does have a um, a great opportunity to influence how we do that uh, at Sword. And uh, I'm very happy with the opportunity. For sure. I mean, maybe I should come and join the sales office team. <laughs> you know, but in, in all seriousness, Brad, you are very um, uh, inspirational when you talk about this. Um, and so if there are people looking for sales office roles, if there, are avail- if there are any available, we will link them below for sword. But of course, you need the passion uh, if you are going to go and work with Brad. Penultimate question. Looking forward to 2021, and obviously with the 2020 forecast probably being slightly out due to all of the issues happening in the world, what can a sales or RevOps team do to try and ensure a more accurate forecast moving into 2021? Uh, that's a great question. I think the, the biggest challenge with forecasting for 2021 is understanding what happened in 2020. I think our instance is especially unique because we were just starting to build pipeline when COVID hit. Uh, So we were really ramping up very quickly. And then all of a sudden things went flat for a little bit. Uh, And then, you know, we caught up and then some. So we have all of the pipeline we could ask for, but it's ultimately... Um, figuring out how that's going to close and when it's going to close, because you know our entire industry did a shift of how they make decisions when they implement new programs, because everyone was scrambling for six months. So that really, next year is sort of an unknown. Still, we we don't know exactly what um, the revenue forecast looks like for that. Um, but I can say, based on the delay that I've been able to calculate that happened from COVID. Um, I, I would just say we're three to four months behind um, in terms of contracting. Everything else is still on schedule. Uh, so, I mean, aside from that delay in getting contracts signed, my forecasting is going to remain fairly consistent uh, due to what I've seen for the last six months now. Makes sense. And Final question, who in the world of sales ops would you most like to take for lunch? Ah, oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, uh, have you met Shane that uh, built Lyft IQ? I Shane don't think so. Uh, he, he would probably be near the top of the list. Uh, granted, we've met several times and have, a, have had a lot of great conversations. He's built a really unique revenue and account-based marketing tool to a point where him and I just see eye to eye on sort of how revenue ops should look and you know how you should analyze your sales process. So it, in terms of like an interesting conversation that I can guarantee would be uh, very useful, 
uh, it would definitely be him. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's Shane and it's Lift IQ, did you say? Uh, yeah, Lift IQ. Amazing. I'll check them out and we'll see if Shane, uh, maybe Shane would like to come on the show as well. But um, Brad, thank you so much for coming on and being so honest, um, highlighting a point that we've actually haven't touched upon in this podcast before. And isn't that related to Salesforce? But I think it is important to highlight in that businesses that do have a mission and a purpose can attract uh, the talent that uh, is also aligned with that mission. And I think that's really important. Um, but also thanks for kind of sharing exactly your strategy for that boosting conversion rate back at Artemis Health and then also your forecasting strategies going into 2021. So Brad, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.